You know, today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's why most Christians worship on Sunday rather than another day. But I want to ask you, and don't, I don't want you to answer out loud, but just think for a minute. What is the significance of Jesus' resurrection to you personally? I know most of us believe it as a historical fact, but um, I've spoken a few times before, and I think many of you know that I was a hospice chaplain for 19 years. And I would visit people. Thank you, sir. Oh, got ice in it, too. That's good. I was a hospice chaplain for 19 years, and I would visit people who had been told that they had six months or less to live, and I would try to help them uh, with their spiritual needs as they dealt with the fact that they would, uh, their lives were soon coming to an end. On many occasions, I would talk to them about the significance of the resurrection of Jesus and how that uh, related to their lives. I remember I met one man for the first time, and I asked him how I could help him. And he said, well, I've been told I'm going to be meeting the man upstairs pretty soon, and I think I probably ought to get baptized. And I said, well, getting baptized is going to make you wet. I said, let's talk about the meaning of baptism. And so I told him about how God loved us so much that he sent his son, and he lived a perfect life. And then he died on the cross for our sins. So that we could we could have a relationship with him. And then God raised him from the dead. And the guy stopped me and he said, God raised him from the dead. I said, well, yes. What do you think Easter's about? And he got this weird look on his face. And he said, the, the Easter bunny? He was serious. He had never heard living in America. Obviously, he didn't go to church. He never heard that God raised him from the dead. I said, yes. I said, that was Jesus communicating that what his son did on the cross paid it all. That we've been forgiven of the wrong things we've done. And if we will trust him and invite him to, to be our Lord and Savior, we can have a new life. In fact, I wrote down what I said. I said, if I can, I don't want to leave it out. Uh, I said, uh, God was telling us that. That he paid every debt we owe. In fact, Jesus became what we were so that we could become what he was. And, 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 and he, we could be God's child. We could be a member of God's family. We could be changed from the inside out, a new creation. Um, and I said, and, and if you would, he's offering it as a gift. And if you would receive it, then that's why you're baptized. Let me go back to say it like it was. I started telling my story, and I wanted to make sure. Uh, I said, uh, uh, baptism is a demonstration that when you put your faith in what Jesus did for you, you become a new person. The old person died with Jesus on the cross and, and was buried, and now a new person has risen with him. And, and uh, uh, you, you can never achieve this on your own. Uh, but but God offers it as a gift, and if you will receive it, all you have to do is pray and ask God if you know and tell Him that you want it. I said, Would you like to pray 
and received this gift from the Lord? He says, well, sure, man, who wouldn't? I said, well, then let's pray. And uh, so we prayed, and indeed he was changed. And all that knew him noticed it. On another occasion, uh, there was a man whose I had uh, visited he and his wife the year before. A lot of people in Florida had just come to Florida in the winter months. And his wife had passed away, and he had left. I hadn't seen him. And I was out visiting, and the person I went to see was asleep. So I, I just said, I'm going to drop, go drop in and see if this guy's back from, from Michigan or wherever he, wherever he lives. And sure enough, his car was there, so I, I, I went to see him uh, unannounced. And, uh, uh, boy, he, he was so, so pleased to see me. He said he thanked me so much for all that I'd shared with him and his wife, you know, and, and how much it had helped him spiritually. But then he said, but, and I just hope God forgives me. I went, uh-oh, what, what's going on here? I said, and he quickly out, he said, you, you didn't know me in my younger days. He says, but, but I've broken all the Ten Commandments except thou shalt not kill. And, and, and so I just he kept saying, I just hope God forgives me. And so I had my Bible and I, 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 I turned to the last verse in Romans 4 and the first verse in Romans 5. And I said, let me read a couple of verses to you, and, and you tell me what you think they mean. So I read, Jesus was delivered up to be crucified because of our transgressions. And he was raised because of our justification. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. The man responded, yeah, I know Jesus died for my sins. You explained all that to me uh, last year, and it's really changed my life. I sense his presence for the first time. And I said, well, but the second part of the verse says that Jesus was raised because of our justification. Do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? He said, well, well, of course. I said, well, what was God saying when he did that? But then I told him what God was saying. I said, he was saying that Jesus paid it all. That those who believe in him are justified. We're forgiven of everything we've ever done wrong. All of a sudden, the lights came on for this man. I mean, he was, a, he was an old guy. I mean, you know, everybody was old then. Now that I'm 74, I, I don't know who to call old and who, whether everybody calls me old. But uh, he was an old guy, a little old, little old, old guy. And, and the lights came on, and he saw it, and he fell on the floor and started sobbing in joy, overwhelmed with the reality that he was forgiven. And, and I brought my Bible, and of course I had my Bible, and I said, and, and let, me, let, me, let me show you some other stuff. And he says, no, no, no. He says, just leave me. And I'm thinking, he couldn't handle any more. That's the last time I ever saw him. I want to ask you, have the lights come on for you? Have you seen it? 
The resurrection of Christ is a historical fact. God was telling us some important things when he raised Jesus from the dead. He was saying because of the obedience of his son, those who have put their trust in him are totally forgiven for every wrong they've ever done. And we are, un- we are completely accepted by him, even with all of our faults, still. And we're unconditionally loved by him. Just as we are. And these are gifts to be received. Not just, yeah, okay, uh, I I believe that. No, no. These are gifts to be received. And in receiving them, we discover the peace and the joy, the freedom that come from learning to forgive ourselves from things from the past. From learning to accept ourselves with all of our shortcomings. From learning to love ourselves in a healthy way. The golden rule says... Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Let me tell you something. If you don't love yourself, your neighbor's in a lot of trouble. And a lot of us don't love ourselves. We don't forgive ourselves. We don't accept ourselves. It all starts with receiving God's gift of forgiveness, acceptance, and love for you. Receiving them. And allowing those truths to define your identity and your security. You can only give to other people what you yourself have received from God. And I want to ask, have you done that? Have you received God's forgiveness? Have you received His acceptance? Have you received His love? And in response... Have you forgiven yourself? Have you accepted yourself? And have you decided to see see yourself as someone who is lovable? Because I think a a lot of us haven't, even though we're Christians. So I want to stop right now, and I just want to pray for myself, but for any everybody in this, anyone in this room, to say, now is the time. Now is the time. Too much is at stake. Not. To come to wholeness in the Lord. See, see, part of being saved is being who Jesus died for you to become. Not just getting a ticket to go to heaven one day. Come on, give me a break. And, and, and we all need each other to be all we are in the Lord. We can't afford for people not to be whole. It affects all of us. I got excited. Sorry about that. Let's, let's pray. I want to just pray. Lord, you know our hearts. And Lord, there's things we believe in our head, but there's things that we haven't let settled into our hearts. Lord, I would make, I pray that today, this, this celebration of the resurrection of your son would be a day of us receiving your forgiveness and re- forgiving ourselves. All of us have made mistakes, Father. All of us have done things we regret. But, Father, thank you that you, they're not on your radar screen. You love us just like we are. You accept us just like we are. Lord, please, by your Spirit, just move in our midst. Speak to our heart. Maybe this this be a day that we enter into the freedom of receiving the gifts you've given us in terms of love and acceptance and forgiveness. 
I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you and I are unique creatures of God. We're made in His image. The Apostle Paul refers to us as being God's workmanship. And it's a Greek word from which we get the English word poem. You and I are one-of-a-kind expressions of God's rhyme and reason in this world. We are each a masterpiece. I don't care whether you have hair or not. Especially, I don't care. Get comfortable with that idea and see yourself as someone special. Because you are special. Not in a prideful way. But you're special because of who your Heavenly Father is. He loves you and He made you special and He chose you to be part of His family. Have you ever wondered what something is worth? I mean, sometimes people spend money. I remember when the, what was it? It was some Christmas friend, cabbage pack, dog or something. There was a scarcity. Everybody's going out and spending all this huge amount of money to get this, what I thought was a pretty dumb thing. To spend your money on. That was just my opinion. Uh, but, but, but what makes something worth? I, I saw in the news recently where a piece of cardboard sold for several million dollars. Now, isn't that crazy? Now, why would someone pay so much for a piece of cardboard? Well, because it had the image of a famous baseball player on it and there was no others like it. It was only one of a kind. Oh, Okay. And somebody else wants to pay money for that piece of cardboard, maybe down the road. Something is worth what someone is willing to pay for. God paid, paid the price of His only Son for you and for me. Why? Because we were worth it. And you and I are one of a kind. There's not another person like us. There's only one. And only we can demonstrate what it's like to be a part of God's family through our unique personalities. And aren't you glad we're all different? God, only we can demonstrate what it means to walk in relationship with God and express it through our unique personality and Also in our circle of influence where God's placed us. God wants to do life with you and me. He sent His Son, Jesus, to become one of us so Jesus could experience everything that it means to be human. But He also sent Jesus to demonstrate for us what it looks like for a human to be a child of God and live in close relationship with His Father. Jesus died on the cross. He was buried and rose again to make it possible for His Heavenly Father to have a close relationship now with many sons and daughters. And as I said before, He became what we are so we could become what He is. He came into our world to invite us into His. That's what God has in mind for each of us, that we would be conformed to the image of His Son, Jesus. You may be wondering, well, how can that ever happen? Well, I would say to you, Jesus made it possible through his death, burial, and resurrection. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he became a new race of human beings. Made up of those who put their faith in his son. Those who trust in Jesus are placed in Christ by God. And Jesus becomes their very life. 
You may not know it, but it happened, past tense. He lives inside of you, and He lives inside of me by His Spirit, so He can live the Christian life through us. In fact, He's the only one that can do that. Please don't try it on your own. It won't work. I can testify. Our part is to learn who we are in Christ and to learn how to be led by His Spirit. And learning to be a child of God takes time to grow up into. So start learning. (laughs) We have someone inside of us, Jesus, teaching us as we go. And the important thing is that we stay focused on God and trust Him with the details. I heard a story one time of how Charleston Heston, when they were filming the movie Ben-Hur, went to the director. I don't know if that was Cecil B. DeMille or who it was. I don't remember. I remember Charleston, but I don't remember the director. But he went to the director and told him he wasn't sure that he was skilled enough to win the chariot race when he was going to be going up against Richard Burton in the big scene. And the director told him, Chuck, you just stay in the chariot and I'll make sure you win the race. And that's what God says to us. He says, just abide my son and I'll take care of the rest. Apostle Paul wrote, I'm confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it into the day of Christ. Now, last week, Billy challenged our church to count the cost of following Jesus. If you were not here, I would encourage you to sign up in the back, back where those flags are, back where the cross is. You can sign up for a CD. And uh, because it was an important word for our church, and it's an important word for these times. Billy showed us scripturally that suffering, persecution, and tribulation are to be expected in the lives of those who are surrendered to God. And he told us to get ready because it's coming to America. Don't answer this out loud, but I just ask you, did that scare you some? Or did it give you a sense of anticipation? See, these are exciting days to be walking with the Lord. You and I are lights in the world. Colossians 1.13 says that God rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, which in contrast is full of life and light to live by. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 1.9, he says, We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people For God's own possession, so we can proclaim the excellencies of him who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We're living in dark times, and the domain of darkness is threatened by light. And it will always try to put it out. That's where suffering, persecution, and tribulation come in. But it can't. Turn on a light in a room, you ever seen darkness? Overwhelmed light? No, just the opposite. Jesus was the light of the world. And the religious leaders in his day tried to eliminate him, but it didn't work. 
He rose from the dead. And he not only triumphed over the grave for himself, he dealt a death blow to the old race of Adam. And he established a means through which his loving Heavenly Father can create a new race of people, people who possess the very Spirit of God, who have a new nature, who have new DNA, God's DNA, the resurrected life of his Son inside of them. The light of the world was not stuffed out. Instead, he was placed inside millions of new containers around the world. And that includes you and me. We were born for such a time as this. Yeah, I'm glad I'm still alive. I don't know about you. Probably better than the option, some of you may think. But, uh, yeah, I used to think 74 was old. Until I got there. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just a kid, right? Yeah, amen. Thank you. Amen. There's a few people. Other people say, you are old, man. You know, don't kid yourself. But, but I'm glad I'm, I'm here. To be a part of what God's doing and what He's saying. In closing, I want to share with you an understanding that I received recently as I've been reading the Old Testament. In the Psalms and Proverbs, especially, much is written about the foundational spiritual benefit of fearing the Lord. For example, Proverbs says, states that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In another verse, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The English word fear has bothered me as I've read it because I don't think God's heart is for us to be afraid of him. But I came across an explanation of this phrase by Eugene Peterson that I can fully embrace and I want to share it with you. He wrote, the fear of the Lord is a cultivated awareness that I am not the center of my existence. That I am not the total of what matters. That I don't know and can't control what happens next. It's an all-consuming response to God. It keeps me from acting presumptuously and taking center stage. Instead, it places God at the center and keeps him there. This dynamic keeps me in my place, and it's a place of awe and reverent submission. Boy, I like that. In fact, I like it so much, I'm going to read it again. The fear of the Lord is a cultivated awareness that I am not the center of my existence. That I am not the total of all that matters. That I don't know and can't control what happens next. It's an all-consuming response to God that keeps me from acting presumptuously and taking center stage. Instead, it places God at the center and keeps Him there. And this dynamic keeps me in my place. A place of awe and a place of reverent 
submission. Now, this is where true freedom comes from. True freedom. Regardless of what's going on in our dark world. And as we begin a new day in our church, and with this explanation in mind, I just want to say, let us fear the Lord together and watch what He does in and through us. Thank you.